Hello, this is Swami Janeshwar, Swami J. Transitions, New Years and New Moments The transition from one year to the next year happens in an infinitely short moment that is actually non-existent in time. So too there are transitions in the moments of life and the moments of meditation. Mindfulness of transitions in daily life and during meditation time are extremely useful on the spiritual journey to enlightenment. The last 15 minutes of the recording is a guided contemplative meditation on transitions. I hope that you enjoy this discussion. Because of New Year's, I was thinking about New Year's and New Moments. Witnessing transitions is very useful in finding the infinitely small transitions wherein infinity itself is found, along with the height of peace, tranquility, or stillness. Look what we all do with the transition of New Year's. We sit here and we think about what our year has been like in the past. We all make New Year's resolutions. They may not last for very long. But we all note this transition. If you think about the transition, now we all know that in a sense, you know, December 31st to January 1st is a human invented time. And even by time zones, it changes. So the New Year starts at a different time in a different time zone. We all know that that's a human-created transition. But if you think about the moment of transition, of time moving through midnight, just for a moment, just ignore the fact that it's a human-created thing and just pretend that the clock is a real thing. How small is the transition time? And can you actually measure the transition time between 11.59 and 12.01? We can say that that's two minutes. But at the precise moment of transition, which year is it in? The old one or the new one? It's nowhere. It doesn't even exist, does it? It takes a moment of reflection to realize that there was a before and there was an after. But the moment, if you can even call it a moment, is infinitely small. It is so infinitely small that in fact it doesn't even exist. See, it's not a digital transition. It's not a digital transition. It's going click, click, click. If you were looking at the second hands on a clock, go click, click, click. We create the illusion that there's a moment when the second hand is right at the top. There was a second hand before and there was a second hand after and there was a second hand in the moment. That's sort of a digital way of counting time. But the time is actually passing analog, smoothly. And so in that kind of transition, the precise moment of transition is so infinitely small that it's non-existent. So in a way, you cannot even say it's infinitely small. Just imagine for a moment that you could enter into that moment, that infinitely small, non-existent moment. If you could enter into that moment, 
that's really not a moment. You would be in infinity, is the notion of meditation. Notice again the way we think of a new year. We reflect on our old year. They make television shows about what happened during the year. We look forward to the new year. We may shoot off fireworks or something at the stroke of midnight. Yogash chitta vritti nirodaha. Tada drashtu svarupe avastana. Remember from Yoga Sutras? Yoga is the niroda of all the stuff, you could say, of all the stuff in the mind field. And it says, Tada drastu svarupe avastanam. The drastu, there's two key words in here I want to talk about. One is the naroda and the other is the drastu. And the drastu means the seer. It's not a defined term. It's simply saying that when you let go of everything else, what's left is who you are. The drastu rests in its true nature, in the highest, in the highest realization. So it's not a defined term. It's not saying, oh, well, what's a seer? Well, a seer is the soul, self, Atman, Brahman. It's not saying that. It's saying that when we do the Naroda business, that what's left, the drastu, the seer, then you'll know its true nature. Well, the Naroda is a point of transition. If a thought pattern arises in your mind, there's a point where it transitions and goes away. Just like a wave, it rises and it falls. And there's a transition point. When it starts to arise, there's a transition point when it has reached its peak. And then, it, and as it goes through that transition point, it starts to fade away. And then there's another transition point when the next thought starts to come. Just like waves in an ocean. There's a transition as the wave reaches the top and there's a transition as it reaches the bottom. And many have said one of the ways of saying deep meditation is to go into the space between two thoughts. And the space between two thoughts is the transition. We're sitting at the time of a new year even though it's a human-created new year. And so it, it seemed to me a good time to look at this whole phenomenon of transitions. It is so key, it is so critical to the highest levels of experience, of direct experience in meditation. The witnessing of transitions is something we can do all day long. We can do it in life. And we can do it in meditations. If you allow yourself just for a minute, for a few minutes, to just stay focused on this notion of transitions, you come to see that all of this phantom identity that I have created, if it's true that who I am is something like pure consciousness or Atman or Purusha or God or divinity or light or whatever you want to call it,
If that's true, which it is, then how is it that I end up thinking that this is who I am and forgetting my true nature? Well, it all has to do with those false identities. There's one way in which we say that. It's all about my false identities, and we don't quite know what to do with that. Well, what do I do with, the, okay, I have all these false identities. Where do I go with that? How do, how do I wake up? How do I get free? One of the ways of saying this is to know the transitions. If we are able to witness the transitions, we will see the way in which the game is created. We will see more and more the way in which it's true that I really am the architect of who I think I am. I'm the architect of my identity. I'm the architect of my life. And all of this unreality, as fun as it is, is not who I am. How do we witness the transitions? You may recall that when we've talked about Yoga Sutras, if you go at the beginning of the third chapter, there's what's called, my pronunciation is not perfect, Parnama. Parnama. And there's three of them. One is Nirodha, another is Samadhi, and another is Ekagra. And this is applied to all the levels of our thinking process, the grossest level and the subtlest level, where we're discriminating the levels of the subtlest intelligence of Bhuti, where you're ultimately you're discerning between earth, water, fire, air, and space as individual elements, so that you end up transcending each of those one at a time. You do it with each one of the cognitive senses. You discern between them, and you realize that they're phantoms, and you let them go, they're not me. So you take this process that has to do with Nirodha, Samadhi, and Ekagra. And each one is a Paranama. Well, what is a Paranama? A Paranama is a transition. So when we take the beginning principle that says yoga is the Nirodha of all the thoughts in the mind, and when we pull that off, then the seer rests in its true nature. Well, how does that really work? We come to see that there's three parts to it. One of the simple ways to hold that is just simply think of a thought that comes into your mind and what is it that happens between that thought and the next thought. There's a thought in your mind, maybe of some person. Well, that thought of that person is going to fade away. True? It's going to fall away. That's the neurota part. The next thing that happens is that your consciousness, your awareness is going to attach itself, affix itself, to another thought, right? That's the equivalent of the samadhi part. Here we're simply using the word, a simple example to say, my attention let go of one thing. There was a transition where the one thought, that one person, fell away. Nirodha. Then there's the part where my attention, my awareness, grabs on to the next thing, and now is completely engaged in that. That's the samadhi transition. So there's actually a transition into the engagement. That's the transition we're talking about. It's not that one moment I had one thought, next moment I had a different thought. That's a true statement, but how did we get there? Is this making sense? There's a transition where the first thought, the memory of that first person, there's a transition where that one faded away. It's a transition. Then there's a transition into 
grabbing on to the next thought, the next person or object. Okay? Now there's another transition. It's a little hard to hold as a transition. They all are. It's the ekagra. And the ekagra means the one-pointedness. So now that my awareness is attached to that new object, it can either naroda, fall away, or it can stay with it over and over and over and over. That's the one-pointedness. So there's a transition called samadhi into absorption on the object. Then there's another form of transition that is saying, not only am I doing that, but I'm staying with it. So now it's going to be the same thought over and over each moment, each micro-moment of awareness being affixed to something is going to come to the same thing over and over and over. The deep absorption is there, and now it's going to repeat itself. Does that make sense? If you are sitting here in this moment and you completely awaken to your pure essence, if you suddenly in this moment awaken 100% totally to that, to the point that there's no longer a you sitting here that you're falsely identified with, okay? then for you, the rest of this room and activity is an unreality. But for the rest of us sitting in this room, we still have to keep talking about transitions because we see we are in the avidya. We are in the ignorance. You no longer are. So the fact that you are no longer in the ignorance doesn't mean that the rest of us are no longer in the ignorance. So all of the unreality ceases to be there for you. But for the rest of us, there's this avidya going on. So we have to sit here and talk about these transitions because we're trying to get past the transitions. You're sitting there in your infinite bliss saying, oh, you silly people, why are you talking about transitions? Just awaken to who you are. See what I mean? So it still exists for everybody else. But it no longer exists for you because you're free. So can these transitions, can the activities of the world and the mind field and the pranic field and all of these levels of being, the gross subtle causal, do they still exist even though in fact they don't exist for you? Well, they relatively exist, so we have to deal with them. We're stuck with this thing that all is one but it doesn't appear to be that way. And if it doesn't appear to be that way, that means we're sitting around in suffering. One of my favorite phrases is the thing that says there is no path, but only a fool does not follow it. There's nothing but Brahman. There's nothing but God. There's nothing but pure consciousness. There's nothing but the ocean. But there appears to be a whole bunch of noisy, troublesome waves around. So I need to deal with them. And so one of the ways of talking about how do I deal with them, we can talk about attachments and aversions and we can talk about, you know, doing breathing, pranayama. We can talk about the techniques and certainly we should do the techniques. But one of the neat ways to look at this, to approach this, through the standpoint, through the eye of transition, that's what we're trying to focus on today. Just in the spirit of that we're looking at a new year. And what's a new year? Well, it's a transition time. What's the nature of that transition? Well, it's, it's really a phantom because there really is no such thing as that it's an infinitely small, non-existent moment. 
First there was last year, then there's next year, and there's this transition in the, in the middle that's infinitely small. And we simply are drawing a parallel to say, look, this is the way that our mind field works. This is the way sadhana works in regard to meditation. What am I trying to do with all of the false identities, all the stuff in my mind field temporarily? Is if I can pull off this neurota business, then my seer, my drastu, and even that's not correct to say my drastu. It's no, uh, there's no such thing as my drastu. It's the drastu, the who I really am, simply sits and rests in its true nature, in its, you know, satchitananda, in its existence, consciousness, and bliss. And so, again, if we're stuck in it, then we have to deal with it. And so one of the ways, again, is to talk about the transitions. And those three transitions are the Nirodha, the Samadhi, and the Ekagra. And the example that I was using tried to make it simple because if you apply those three to very subtle things, such as the element of fire itself, that's very subtle in, in deep meditation. And so it's hard to have a conversation about out here in a gross way, but we can easily talk about the thought of a person popping into my mind. person pops into my mind. And then I'm saying... That thought, we all know this, that thought will fade away. I'm equating that to the neurota business. And then what happens? Awareness, mind, consciousness, whatever you want to call, for this example, affixes itself to the next object or person. So the falling away is like this neurota business. The grabbing onto the next one, we're equating, oh, that's like going into samadhi on that object. All there is in my mind field now is that object. Okay? And then when it repeats itself, so it stays, and that same object stays and stays and stays, that's the ekagra, that's the one-pointedness. And so each one of those is a transition. If I'm driving in my car going down the road at 50 miles an hour, there's a certain state of beingness. Going down road, here's this massive object, me, car, road, 50 miles an hour. Well, if you change speeds so that you're going 60 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour is a state of being. There's a certain mass. There's me going down the road in certain, what do they call, kinetic energy, energy of motion at 60 miles an hour. But there was a transition between 50 and 60 called acceleration. You see. And so what we're doing is we're looking at that transition from 50 miles an hour to 60 miles an hour as if it is a thing unto itself. You see, it's not a car itself. It's not a certain speed. It's neither 50 nor is it 60. It's hard for the mind to hold on to this. It's wispy. But to come to see that, wait a minute, the transition from 50 to 60, what if I had mastery over transitions of the change of speeds? Then whatever speed I was going to go to, I would understand that process. I would have mastery over it. What happens when you then go from 60 miles an hour to 50 miles an hour? That is a thing. It's as if it's a thing unto itself. It, too, is a transition. We call it deceleration. Right? If we were physicists, we would be talking about this acceleration and deceleration as things. I don't mean as like tangible objects, but there's something there. It's the transition itself. I'm speeding up or I'm slowing down. And so as I transition from a thought where it's falling away, it's the realization that, wait a minute, 
the key here is what if I knew what if I knew how to deal with that transition? What if I had mastery over the transition that we're calling nirodha in yoga? Then whatever thought came into my mind field, I would know how to nirodha it. There's no such thing as nirodha-ing it. But if I had mastery over that transition, wow, what I could do with that. Then it would be relatively easy to deal with all of this stuff in this mind field that's clouding my true identity. So too, what if I had mastery over that transition into absorption, acceleration, if you will? If I knew how to accelerate, I don't even know what I mean by accelerate here, what if I knew how to accelerate my attention into absorption on any object towards which I directed it? That would give me mastery over the process that we know as samadhi. Wouldn't that be incredible? What if I had mastery over the ability to sustain that absorption? One-pointed. Not only am I absorbed in it, but I can stay absorbed in it. As if that's a transition itself. What if I had mastery over that transition? Then I could stay one-pointed on anything. And if I really wanted to understand any aspect of my, my makeup inside, all I would have to do was put my attention on it. Go into samadhi on that thing. Stay with it. And its true nature would reveal itself. And what I would discover is that, that it was a phantom, that it was an attraction, an aversion, a raga, a devesha. It was based on a vidya. It was based on ignorance. Oh my, silly me, that wasn't me in the first place and it never was. Wouldn't it be neat if I had some degree of mastery over the transitioning process itself of letting go in other words, I know how to let go. I understand that mental process. It's not just that I let I know how to let go of this bad habit or that habit of mind. A lot of stuff that we do in life, we, we do issue by issue by issue, problem by problem by problem. But what if I had mastery over the process of letting go itself? And that letting go process is a transition. And the approximate term for that in yoga science, is this nirodha business. So nirodha samadhi is absorption. So gee, I have the mastery, I have the ability to let go of anything, and I also have the ability to affix my awareness on anything I want. Wouldn't that be neat? And I can sustain it if I want, called ekagra. That sounds nice, doesn't it? And and what the, what the three of those have in common well, they go together. You see, they all, they all have in common that they're transitions. And so, in a sense, they're all Naroda. And so it's saying, wouldn't it be neat if I had mastery over transitions? You see. So when we're talking about, here's a new year. Our old year is going away. Our new year is coming. And we all know an external process when we get new calendars and things like that. We say goodbye to the old year. We say hello to the new year. We talk about, gee, I wonder what's going to happen in this new year. I'm planning this and this and this and this. And, you know, how did I do with this past year? I did these things good and these things were not so useful. I'm going to let go of them and, and all of this. But there's this moment at midnight, infinitely small, non-existent moment of transition. Remembering here, that still, the year, the calendar is, is, a, is a, something we've created. There's no such thing, really, as that calendar. Well, you know what? You've created your minefield, too. 
difference is you think those are who you are. We know that we humans created this particular calendar we use because different cultures and civilizations use different calendars. We invent different calendars. It's not like our year is based on the winter solstice where there's actually a physical thing going on in the, in the planetary scheme of things, in the solar system. What's, what's the force behind the transition? That's what we're trying to uncover by, by knowing the transitions, we come to find what was prior to that. Yogas chitta vritti niroda, tada drastus vasana. When we pull off the niroda, when we actually pull off transcending the transitions, then we discover for ourselves our true nature. When we finally have that mastery, we've got it so mastered this transition business that we can we can do apply transition to everything that has come up, then what's left is who we are. Now we can talk about what that is, but one of the neat things about yoga in this in those two sutras, in that comment, the Tadadrastu Swarupe of Asana, I love that the choice of words that Patanjali uses, Drastu, because He's not trying to give a definition. He's very artfully avoiding it. Instead of, instead of saying, my definition of it is this, and you have to subscribe to my definition to follow my religion or program or whatever it is, instead of doing that, he's saying, do the Naroda business and find out for yourself. It's direct experience. That's one of the reasons this resonates with some of us. It says, because for years, decades, it, there's this nagging question inside. The words may be different, but it essentially says, who am I, where did I come from, and you know, what's the nature of truth, reality, God, the universe? So we have that innate question. One way of dealing with that is, here, let me give you the answer. I'll give you a statement of philosophical belief or religious belief, and now you can either join up with that Follow it, listen to it, agree with it, or not. The other approach is, you know, how do I go about finding this out for myself? Well, this is we're talking about this transition process. If I can gain mastery over that transition process, the notion is I'll start to come to know it myself. And this is not to say that there's not value in talking about, reading about, studying about other people's observations on the nature of what that's like. You with me? That's nice to do. It's nice to talk about the nature of the universe, nature of God, nature of Atman. Upanishad says that that nature is Sat-Chit-Ananda, existence, consciousness, and bliss. But it very artfully is saying, it's it's saying it is really indescribable. You cannot describe it in words. But if you could describe it, you say, it cannot be described, okay, but can you give me some idea? All right. Now, just hold in mind that this is not really a description, but it will give you some feel for it. It has something to do with the existence itself, consciousness itself, and bliss. The existence is easier to spot because any object, any person, anything you can, you can touch in this external world or see, one thing that you can say about it is that it contains the characteristic of existence understanding that ultimately it doesn't exist and it's an, it's my it's illusion it's unreality but it doesn't, it doesn't matter whether you're looking at a, a person or a tree or a brick or an atom or whatever it is you can say does it exist yes does it exist yes it's as if everything contains the characteristic of existence itself 
So we can go at it like that and try to define who I am. And that's a useful thing to do. And you get some sense for yourself of, of where you think you're going. But what it's really talking about is the part that says, learn the transitions, learn how to do that. And when you apply it thoroughly at some point, then all the false identities will will do the neurota business, will fall away. And then, then who you really are just sits there and you say, oh my, I am that I am that I am that I am. So hum. It's the only thing you find left I can say is so hum. Or, or some other version of that. I think the story they say when Moses came down from the mountains, some say whether he was on a physical mountain or it was the metaphorical spiritual mountain of the height of consciousness. Which was it? A real mountain, physical mountain in the world on planet Earth? Or was it a metaphor for that he went to the top of the consciousness mountain and he came down? Well, who'd you talk to? You know, Yahweh, I am that I am. And so was it a statement of a being who he met or a state of truthness or so, but transitions is the key. There are in the human body, there's circadian rhythm and arcadian rhythm. And we, most of us have heard of circadian rhythm. Circadian rhythm is that 24-hour cycle. And, and science knows about this. And I think there's some things where some people, theorists talk about that they think the human is on a 25-hour clock rather than a 24-hour clock, where if you put people... They've done some experiments where you put people in a room where there's no external, they can't see outside. They're in a completely closed room with no windows and this, that, and the other. And, and I think a lot of people fall into a 25-hour cycle rather than a 24-hour cycle. And I'm not making any statement at all what accounts for that. But the notion of circadian rhythm is that there is a rhythm that we operate on, our physical person, body, operates that it's a 24-hour cycle. It's a rhythm. And a rhythm has transitions into it. And so however we may observe what those cycles are about, and there's a sleeping cycle, we know that. We, we sleep for some number of hours, and then we're awake, and we do certain things, and we are either sort of awake in our awakeness or we're sort of asleep in our awakeness and different levels of activity. And then we go back to bed, we go to sleep again. There's many things that can be said about it, but there's this circadian rhythm that's a daily rhythm. There's an arcadian rhythm, which happens within that during the day. It has to do with heating and cooling. Science knows about this. Modern science knows about this. The body goes through heating and cooling phases. Well, the yogis have known about this for thousands of years. They relate it to itta and pingala, the subtle energies of the subtle body. Where we're, what we're trying to do for meditation and samadhi is to awaken sushumna channel, the central stream of the subtle spine. One of the ways this manifests is in nostril dominance of breath. So you can notice that during the day, if your mind and your body are healthy, there's a, there's a natural transitioning from left nostril to right nostril and back to left nostril. And it's on an approximately 90 minute 90 minute cycle. And this is part of what's called Arcadian rhythm. Modern term is Arcadian rhythm. And so it's very useful if you and I can be aware of those transitions. One of the nice things that happens is when there is a transition from one nostril to the other nostril. Now remember, the physical nostril is just an indication of what's happening in the nervous system, which is just an indication of what's happening in the pranic sheath. 
which is in the pranic sheath, of course, is also related to the mind, which is subtler. So, because most of us are half inert most of the time, we don't notice the mental shifts, we don't notice the pranic shifts, and on top of that, we don't notice the physical shifts. But if we could, which one is easier to notice? Well, the physical shift is easier to notice. And the easiest way to notice that is in the nostril dominance of breath, which is flowing. Which nostril is which nostril is flowing more freely? And so, if one nostril is more flowing more freely, and five minutes from now the other one's going to be flowing more freely, you get a transition in the middle, right? And in that transition between the two nostril dominances, if you happen to be working on a project that re- needs your attention, you'll notice that you lose your attention. If you're in a conversation with another person, and it just when your nostril dominance is shifting, you may say, "What? Well, I'm sorry, what did you say? Because what's happening is in that moment, your, your energy system is in this delightful balance state. And all the mind wants to do is be quiet. It's like a free meditation, and we get it many times a day. And if you if you become aware of that, and you notice it, then you give you you just stop what you're doing if you can. You just say, "I'm going to give myself one minute meditation, two minutes. I'm just going to sit here and enjoy this for a moment. I've been doing all this living, all this work, and gee, here's my free meditation time. Let me take advantage of it." And so, how do you get that free meditation? You have to be aware of transitions. It's a tremendously useful thing. And rhythm's already there. When you breathe in and when you breathe out, as I'm inhaling, there's a transition before I exhale. And at the end of exhalation, there's a transition before I inhale. It's one of the most important transitions that we can be aware of. And keep in mind, when we're talking about traditions, we're talking about a universal process. The whole universe is operating on these transitions. When we go back, remember we were talking about Naroda Samadhi Ekagra and the significance of those transitions, that the entire process, we can say, of, of realization is mastery over the transition process so I can let go of everything, so I can rest in my true nature. So not only do I not have to wait once a day for the circadian rhythm to be there and I can get to go to sleep at night and I can wake up in the morning and get that nice little bonus time in the morning when you first wake up and you're half here, half there and it's almost a natural meditation. True? If we use that wisely, it's one of the reasons. Why do the sages always say well, the best time to meditate is early morning? It's because you've done your sleep cycle. There's a, there's a natural point. You're... You're, you're not in dead sleep and you're not out in this world yet. There's this just delightful place that you're in. Well, what, a, what better time to meditate? So you get that bonus once a day. You get that time. You also have a transition going into sleep if we use it wisely. But that, that's a nice one in the morning when you're waking up. It's a good time to meditate. So once a day. Well, during the day, you get the Arcadian rhythm phenomenon of when the energy shifts between the two nostrils. Now, if your life is in chaos... And you have, and you're stuck in right nostril dominance, and you're just energy, 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 energy. This is a pathology. If somebody's stuck in left nostril dominance, and you're just lazy, and you're and you're lethargic, and you're a couch potato, you need to do something. So you may never get those, too many of those bonus things. But if if we're reasonably healthy, we have the daily transition, and we have the 90-minute transition. It's not perfect 90 because we're not in perfect 
you know, health physically and mentally, emotionally. But if we're in pretty good shape, you'll notice it's about 90 minutes. So you get that little bonus. Well, guess what? If we use breath wisely, we get several opportunities a minute to be mindful of the transition between inhalation and exhalation and between exhalation and inhalation. There's lots of breathing practices. You know we've, we've done a lot of them. But one of the finest, it's so simple, one of the finest breathing practices is the one that says eliminate the pause between the breaths. Eliminate the pause between inhalation and exhalation and between exhalation and inhalation. And it sounds like a mechanical comment. You say, okay, I guess I'm supposed to do that. I'm not really sure why. Well, notice the transition phenomenon. If you're breathing in and then a minute, a moment later you're breathing out, there was a transition. What are we doing in that transition? Are we stopping breathing? Or are we allowing it to be a smooth transition that's so smooth that it's an infinitely small moment. You with me? If we can do that, if we can make that transition so smooth that it's like an infinitely small moment of transition, it has a tremendous effect on calmness in the mind. Tremendously useful for preparing for deep meditation. It's one of those things where you hear or read a comment that says, oh, well, just take ten breaths. Well, easy for you to say. That doesn't seem to be helping me. But if you will take ten breaths and really, really witness the transition between the breaths, you'll find that those ten breaths will take you about two minutes. minute and a half, two minutes, two and a half minutes, somewhere in there. And in that two minutes... After two minutes, you'll, you'll notice that if the mind was troubled before, suddenly it's calm. And what is it? It's transition. It's being mindful of transition. So we can look at transition of calendar from one year to another. We get a, a rhythm every day. We get every hour and a half a natural transition. I mentioned the transition when you get up in the morning and when you go to bed at night. These are free times. You, you do it twice a day. Once a day you go to sleep, once a day you get up. Both of those are transitions. It's tremendously useful. See, it doesn't require any time. I'm not talking about setting aside more time for more different meditation techniques. But the effort that I'm trying to get around to talking about is the attempt to witness falling asleep. Attempt to witness the transition of falling asleep. So if you lay down to go to sleep, it's one of the reasons that says don't go to sleep worrying about the stuff during the day. And you might say, well, you know, if I do that, I'll never go to sleep because my mind, I have a noisy mind and it's just always doing this stuff. Well, shift your intentionality and say to yourself, what I want to do is witness the transition into sleep. I'm in the waking state of consciousness. I'm about to be in the sleeping or dreaming state of consciousness. And I want to attempt to, to witness that transition. And that attempt to witness that transition alone is a part of the one point in this that the other garbage in the mind that was troubling you starts to subside. The stuff you were worrying about, thinking about, it just suddenly starts to fade away because why? I've got a project going on and my project is witness this transition. It's a bonus. It's a free time. You do it every day. So why not say, I'm going to try to be mindful of this transition into sleep? 
And on the other end in the morning, gradually you can train yourself to say, this is, a, this is an important transition time. So when I wake up in the morning, and I'm not saying when you wake up in the morning, lay in bed for an hour, you know, snuggling with the pillow and the blankets. But the other end is it's not that you wake up and you just bolt out of the bed. It's not that either. You want to cultivate the attitude, you could say, that I'm going to witness this awakening process, awakening into waking state of consciousness. There is a transition. Let, let me slowly, gently, lovingly to myself, be aware of that transition. It's already there. You're already doing it. Why not take advantage of it? You can notice during the day. I know that lives are busy. You can do this during meditation time. It's the thing that says, without even calling it Naroda, Samadhi, Ekagra, just to step back from the technical terms and just say, I want to be aware of the transition into a thought. And I want to be aware of the transition of a thought going away. I want to be aware of a transition of an emotion. I want to be aware of the transition of an emotion falling away. It may even be something that somebody does, something stupid that pushes one of your buttons. And I'm not saying you catch it in the moment it happens, but it may be a minute later. And you say, wait a minute. You know, a little while ago I wasn't upset, irritated, and all of a sudden somebody pushed my button. How did this happen? And I'm not meaning intellectually analyzing it, but you're, you're getting your memory to sit, to sit there and say, you know, I remember. I remember. It was just a, a minute ago. Just a minute ago I could feel. Now that I think of it, I could feel the wave of that irritation rising in me. And you're recalling the transition of anger arising. And here, I'm, what I'm about to say, I'm not talking about suppression of emotions. That's not what it is. But it says, let me just watch, see if I can observe the transition of this irritation emotion falling away. All I'm doing, I say, I'm not trying to suppress any anger, I'm not trying to get rid of it, but let me just observe it and see. So when it gets ready to go away, if I can observe that transition. And then you notice it starts to go away. And you're observing internally the emotion starting to fade away. And gradually you come to see, wait a minute, I'm gaining some mastery over these negative emotions simply by observing the transition. Now, we, we, we all know the idea that says, you know, observe your emotions. But here I'm saying there's a particular aspect the way we're talking about it. Observe the transition into the emotion and observe the transition out of the emotion. If you're having a romantic involvement, be mindful of the transition into that and the transition out of it. If you're having a conversation, be mindful of the transition into it and the transition out of it. We're sitting here together talking. When you walk out the door and you go to get in your car, as soon as you walk out the door, be mindful of the transition of being in this room and being outside of this room. There's a transition. It's an opportunity to witness the nature of transition itself. And all that is is walking out of one room into the outdoors. But it's transition. Something is changing. And it gives us a little feel of what this whole Naroda business is about. Here, here's a few examples that, that we talk about that are in yoga. We talk about levels, and you may not remember exactly what they are. We talk about samadhi levels. Uh, uh, Savitarka, Savichara, Sananda, Sasmita. 
So one is samadhi on gross objects, samadhi, samadhi on subtle objects, samadhi on bliss, and samadhi on I-ness itself, and then objectless samadhi. Okay, pretty heavy philosophy stuff. Well, if I'm if I'm on a gross object and it fades away, there's a transition. And then I'm going into samadhi or meditation on a subtle object. There's a transition. Then I'm going to that's going to fade away. There's a transition. Then I'm going to have this very much deeper meditation samadhi come on bliss itself. That's a transition. Then that's going to be transcended. That's a transition. And what am I left with? Only pure iness itself, asmita. Sasmita. And when Inus itself goes away, that too is a transition. What am I left with? Objectless samadhi. So it doesn't matter whether you, you completely track those four stages, but you remember it's going from gross to subtle to bliss to Inus and beyond. In each one, there's a transition into it. There's a transition into transcending it. There's a transition into the next one. There's a transition past it. So it's in, out, in, out, in, out. There's a transition process, right? If you think of the, the, we talk about kleshas, the, the deep coloring, the samskaras that drive karma, the actions called karma. And we, so I may have kleshas of attraction or an aversion. Well, there's a transitioning process as a colored thought pattern, a latent colored thought pattern, completely sleeping in the basement of the mind, as it stirs and becomes an active desire, right? There's a transition. Now it's an active, I want this, right? Then there's a transition where manas, the mind, sensory motor mind, is starting to engage to fulfill the desire. There's a transition into that. There's a transition. Think about habits. People talk about food habits. Think of the, of the example where the idea comes up in the mind field. Manas, the mind, being a good friend, says, oh, you want that? I'll help you get that. Now there's a transition where the manas employs the indrias, the senses of holding and grasping, and before you know it, the hand goes out and grabs the food and puts it in the mouth. And each one of those steps along the way, there was a transition process. I'm not saying that to make it complicated, but to say, look at all of the opportunities in that chain of events, you know, from a latent attachment to an act, an action going on out here. There's all these transitions processes along the way, and every one of them is an opportunity to understand the nature of transition process. And if we understand that the whole transition process, this whole letting go process, remember, go back to the Naroda and the Drastu business, where we're talking about the, the cessation, the falling away is the Naroda, and, the, and then what the seer rests in its true nature. Everything keeps falling back to that. As we keep talking about this, it sounds like it's getting complicated, but it's not. All we're saying is that there's there's lots of transitions. When you go to work every day, you have a transition from home life to car life to work life. There's transitions. You can watch them. At the end of the day, when you go home, there's transitions. It's simple, isn't it? I mean, there's a simplicity. In a sense, it doesn't matter which transition you're observing whether it's the grossest level of transition in the, wor- in the world, such as I'm walking out the door of my house, or subtle transitions of what's going on in your mind field when you're doing contemplation or meditation at a subtler level, because each of them is a transition. 
So in some sense, when we come to understand that what I'm trying to observe is in transition, is that what I'm trying to observe is transition itself, then in some sense it doesn't matter what I'm what I'm observing. Now ultimately we want to use that ability to observe transitions to allow it to be subtler and subtler and subtler so that we can work off the colorings, so we can remove the ignorance called avidya, so we can rest in our true nature of bliss and joy and all that sort of stuff. If we took this statement that said it doesn't matter what transition I'm observing and we overly literalize that comment, then then all I end up doing is witnessing transitions in the external world and I'm never applying it to the inner process. So that's not what I'm intending to say. But in terms of, of us cultivating an, an awareness of this whole transition process, then it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter what kind of transition you're observing. And one of the beautiful things about that is it requires no time. It doesn't matter how busy your life is. You're not having to set aside transition time. It's just simply saying that in whatever I'm already doing in life, I'm going to be more mindful of transition. There's a circadian rhythm transition of sleep and, and, and not sleep. There's more to it than that, but there's this 24, 25-hour cycle. Let me be mindful of that. There's the rhythm during the day of the shift of nostril dominance, the Arcadian rhythm. There's other things that go along with that. We observe it. There's heating and cooling that goes on in the body. There's action and rest. You're, you're, you're real active working on some project or with some person, and all of a sudden you feel tired. You know, we, we all see this. So those are transitions. We already get them. Why not be Why not be mindful of the process? And and maybe we do a better job of working with them. You know, maybe if there's some flexibility in the day at all, when you're in that active phase, it's a time to do th- the things that most need your active attention. And when it shifts to where you don't feel that activity, you don't feel that drive for activity going on right now. Maybe that's a time to do paperwork or something that requires a different type of focus. And so we gradually start to work with it. If everything in our day is all about go, 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 that's hard because in the Arcadian rhythm we never get to, we never get the chance to live or work in that phase of the, of the rhythm, of the cycle. So work with it as best you can. So you get a whole day to work, to watch, and you get those short ones, and you get every breath. Every breath, right in the middle of life. Now, I don't mean literally that we're going to be able to pull it off that you're witnessing every breath. That's not what I'm saying. But I know that in an hour, you ought to be able to witness a few breaths. Even in the most hectic day, you ought to be able to witness a few breaths in an hour. Even if it's only ten breaths in an hour that you witness the transition into and out of the inhalation and exhalation. And if you can do ten breaths an hour, then sometime it becomes more or less. And the important part of that, that, there's a few important parts. It has its own immediate benefit on your autonomic nervous system and your mind and your body and, and all that. It has those immediate benefits. But from that you're learning about the transition process itself and it took no time 
And then when we talk about the philosophical, you could say the philosophical end of this thing, it's understanding that the whole ball game has to do with transitions. So even something as silly as, as something as silly as observing a transition into and out of your car, you know, or into or out of work, or into or out of a meal, or into or out of this bite of food going into your mouth. It's not just I am eating, but it's going in, it's going out. Teeth go up, teeth go down. The chewing process. And by being aware of, of, of the transitioning process itself, you'll invent your own. You'll invent your own ways that all of a sudden you're observing this transition. And, we're, and what we're coming to understand is the process called niroda. Yoga chitta vritti niroda tada drastu svarupe avastana. Yoga, the realization of that highest union of who I really am, comes as a result of the neuroda, this transitioning away process of all of my false identities. Then the drastu, the seer, whoever, however that, whatever that is, stands alone in, in perfect bliss. That's the entire process of meditation, contemplation, of spiritual life. A sort of bottom line thing to it is the one that says witness everything. You know, witness everything. And the key, one of the keys to witnessing is to witness the transitions. All transitions. It doesn't mean 100% of the transitions around you because it's just, that's hard. I would say it's for most of it, it's virtually impossible. So it's not it's not a setup for failure that says, I only observed 1% of my transitions. That's not it. It's the process itself. And in some sense, again, I know I'm being redundant, but in some sense, again, it doesn't matter what transition we're witnessing. It makes no difference. Ultimately, we're going to apply that to all the levels of our being, to gross, to subtle, to subtler, most, and then finally where we step off, where we discern between the purest form of sattvic buddhi, one of the finest aspects of manifestation of false identity, is the subtlest, finest level of our intelligence itself. And then we let that fall away, and then we're there. That too is a transition. So, Happy New Year. I think you can do something in your mind. You want to do a little something real quick? Just real quick, because it won't take but a minute here. Okay? Intently look around this room. And just to make sure you've done it, make sure you let your eyes fall on each other person in this room. All right, got them all. This is this world out here. Here we are. We're hanging out here together doing whatever this is we're doing. Okay? Now, Observe the transition as you start to let go of the other people. Don't even close your eyes yet. But you start to be aware of your own body. And you notice there was a transition. Something just shifted. Now, now observe the transition as you allow your eyes to close. 
something just changed. Notice the transition as you now become especially aware of your body. Something just changed. It's even a transition if I say, please be aware of your hands and your wrists. Now you're aware of your hands and your wrists. Stay aware of your hands and your wrists. I haven't said this yet, but as soon as I say this, notice that there will be a transition. The hands will fall away and something else will arise. I haven't said it yet. Be aware of your hands and your wrists. And what you're going to notice is that that transitions away and something something else transitions in. Be aware of your hands and wrists. Be aware of your feet. Notice that the hands fell away. Oops, I said hands, and so hands come back. Notice the transition as you become aware of your shoulders. Notice the transition away from this to the other as you now become aware of your whole body. As if you can somehow be aware of your entire body in one sweeping glance of awareness. Notice the transition as you shift from body awareness to breath awareness. Actually, it's a transition. Because you're doing it this way, your attention may bounce back and forth between body and breath for a moment because we're talking about it. But the transition is into the breath. The air is coming and going. Notice the transition as you are aware of the motion of your diaphragm that's allowing the breathing. It's still breathing, but there was a transition as you focused especially on the diaphragm. Notice the transition as this falls away, as you now become aware of or imagine that the breath is flowing in your spine, where the energy is going up with inhalation and down with exhalation. There was a transition. Notice the transition within this breathing. As if I'm inhaling up to the crown of the head, then there's a transition and I exhale down to the base of the spine. Then there's a transition and I inhale up again. And as you're halfway between, notice that the transition is about to come. Not meaning live in the future, not being meaning ignore the moment. I'm inhaling up and exhaling down. But especially notice the transitions. 
continue to notice the transition from exhalation to inhalation and inhalation to exhalation. Notice the transition. But now we're going to transition to awareness of breath at the nostrils. The feel of the touch of the air. The touch of the air in the nostrils. There's a transition between inhalation and exhalation and another transition between exhalation and inhalation. Inhalation and exhalation. Exhalation and inhalation. Notice once again the transition as you shift from this awareness to the awareness of the field of mind. Field of mind is there and the other fell away. A transition. Field of mind is there. Allow those little thought bubbles, impressions, to come and go in that field of mind. And each time one comes, it might be there for only a fraction of a second, maybe longer. But notice that each one of them has a transition into coming and then a transition into falling away. Something else comes and then it goes doesn't matter what it is. Don't concern yourself with the nature of that thought or impression. All you care about is the fact that it transitioned into coming and it transitioned into going. Intentionally allow them to come and go. Allow yourself to feel some amusement about this, some fascination. It doesn't matter what the content is. It's all this transitioning process. Things just keep coming and they keep going. They keep transitioning from this to that to the other. Something seems to be stable and steady and that's called the field of mind itself. The thoughts in that mind field transition, coming and going. Coming transition, going transition. Field of mind seems to be steady and stable. And yet for a moment, if you can do this literally, great. If not, just for a moment, infer that even this field of mind could transition into falling away where there would not even be a field of mind. That the mind itself could transition into falling away. This level of mind as an active mind 
transitions away every day and comes back every day. Mostly we don't notice it. Maybe this mind could transition away and yet I stay conscious and awake and alert resting in my true nature and yet there is the transition where the mind field is here there is the transition where all these little thought patterns keep arising and falling they transition in transition out what they have in common is transitioning itself Notice the transition as you're once again aware of the breath in the nostrils. And within each breath there is a transition. Inhalation to exhalation, exhalation to inhalation. Notice the transition when you move your awareness to the breath along the spine. There's a transition at the end of inhalation at the top of the head. There's a transition at the end of exhalation at the base of the spine. Some of those other transitions are still going on, but mostly this is the ones that you're watching right now. Be aware of the transition as you come back to the breath of the diaphragm. Be aware of the transition as you transition back to awareness of the body. You may feel or sense transitions within that body awareness. Notice the transition as you come back to the awareness of your feet. Notice the transition as you come back to the awareness of your hands and wrists. And the transition as you come back to your body. Notice the transition as you now, without much hesitation, but with awareness, notice the transition as you open your eyes. Notice the transition as you open your eyes. Now notice the transition again as you once again look at all the other people. Look at each other person. Notice the transition. Allow yourself to be aware that in some sense every one of these transitions 
had something in common and that is transition itself and then witness everything just decide to witness transitions all day long when you go from here to there from doing this or that between breaths the shift of nostril dominance an energy shift every 90 minutes plus or minus some amount of time and going to bed at night and getting up in the morning and then witness everything just decide to witness transitions in the new year In your meditations this new year, may your body be still and comfortable. May your head, neck, and trunk be aligned. May your breath be smooth, slow, serene, and with no pauses. May the flow of thoughts in your mind not disturb you. May your meditations this new year bring you peace, happiness, and bliss.